What's up, everyone? Welcome down to another episode of The Vault. And again, as the Bay Area story keeps unraveling, and it'll be unraveling for a long time, my guest today has been very much a part of that. Today we have, in The Vault, Mr. Mac Camacho from Forbidden. How are hey, you? Hey, what's up, Zed? I'm getting a lot of uh, Thank comments you on, my, uh, on my show about when are you going to get Matt? When are you going to get Russ? Really? When are you going to get... Wow. Oh, yeah. They, they want to talk to every... They want everybody to speak their mind here. And and so uh, that's why I was... I, remember I called you. I said, you can, you can run, but you can't hide. So... Oh, I appreciate that. Definitely man. wanted you yeah. to come in. Your story is definitely very important to everyone out there who listens, you know, to Bay Area Thrash Metal and has forever. You know, these are the guys that I'm bringing in that are the pioneers of what it was telling it their way and what it meant to them and how it all came down. So we're just going to, today's Matt Camacho Day in the- oh, Well, thank the, you for having me. In the- um, Lots in of the stories as hell, it's man, great. I'm telling you. It's going to be great. So there's no time on this. We play as long as we want. There's, you know, this isn't done in an hour. If it takes that long, it takes that long. But, you know, we're going- we're going for it, man. I'm good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for getting me nice and uh, smoking a nice bowl. Right, we smoke weed on the we... <laughs> Big jar right there. I love that. Off Thank you that, so we much. We smoke fucking weed. So. Could just be ourselves. Uh, spider didn't bother you on the way down, did he? Not at all, but I've been hearing about Red Rum over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's crazy. You know, since we've been doing it, he's kind of been, hasn't really attacked anybody, but there's rat bones and other spiders and other shit going on under him, so we just kind of leave him alone, so. It's crazy. Anyway, it's like good a to have you in here. here, man. So Thank basically, you. what we've been doing here is we've been getting everybody to tell it from their side, their eyes. And so I'm going to do like I do with everybody. Wow. Where did you start? How did how did you, were your parents into hard music? Were do you were you come from a musical family? What you know? Did you like? horror movies i always ask everybody that was it because i know a lot of metalheads like myself we love heavy metal and horror it seems to go hand in hand you know were you one of those kids that watch creature features you know and really then, not none of the above really really I like uh came from like a kind of a real conservative uh religious family really yeah i went to catholic schools and uh um, and where did you grow up at in hayward you did grow yeah, up in yeah yeah hayward is oh man almost my whole life uh -huh. you know, until i moved out to out out i live out in the brentwood oakley area uh, now so it's like crazy but yeah man it's like i went to catholic schools and get this i grew up mormon too really so, yeah 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 so as well, so i didn't like catholic i didn't have rock or metal mormon. anything influence wasn't there isn't that kind of a a, a conflict yeah well um my parents or? wanted uh um you know the, us to be in like good school systems me and my brothers uh -huh. and um they thought the catholic schools all my cousins went to catholic schools my father was a real strict catholic family and then my parents converted to Mormonism when I was like about five or six years old. And I'm, I'm in church just all the time and oh, all through man. my teen era, era, like up. Uh, but then it kind of got a little trippy as something happened. I was a little too young to really know, but my parents kind of separated a bit and they like separated for about five or six years, right when I was becoming a teenager. And I lived this kind of sheltered life. And um, so they weren't really paying attention. And that's when I just, you know, got uh, discovered pot and started smoking weed. Okay, and now how music old are you and, now? What, what year is it? And well, how I think old are you right now? I was like 13 or 14 years what old. What year are we in? What year we're, are we we're in? We're talking like 1980. 
80. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, 13. yeah. You're, you're 13 yeah, yeah. in 1980. Yeah, ni- yeah so somewhere around. You're right yeah, behind yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm 55 now, so yeah, you're yeah, right behind me. So. Exactly. So so it was just, just weird. I didn't really kind of come up with a, a musical family or anything like that. What did you and, listen um, to as a kid, though? Was there any hard influences at all? N- not really. I mean, it was like, I, I was what, more KFRC, into like, you know I mean, it mean? was like the end of the disco era. I was like, remember fucking getting into like, the Commodores and Earth, Wind and Fire, and then like just real uh, elevator type rock music started uh-huh. coming about, and then, then like I, I my when my brother got into high school, I started listening to like, um, you know, just just some like ACDC, and and um, then discovering like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and Dio was just okay, like so the whole how thing. how how quick as you're talking 1980 now and you're getting turned on to this yeah by 1981 are you a metalhead now well, i mean well, is it, uh, not, is it... not really yet i could kind of trace it back to like the motley crew era when i just kind of became obsessed with music and wanted I, to play I the first yeah, motley yeah. album the whole mentality yeah. of it and it's great i mean great even the, i loved shout at the devil but to me uh, too fast for love was just I mean, set aside. It, it was weird, you know. It's always like the group of friends influences people you hang out with. If you remember, there was this. So, so I'm probably like 13, 14 years old, and there's this like I'm from Hayward. And do you remember like bands like Wizard and Air Raid? And, yes, my yeah, brother yeah, played like, in Air Raid. So, my brother no was a bass player in Air Raid, like, so I was and like, I yeah, lived yeah. with the drummer Manny yeah. Deleuze. Yeah. Oh no way. Yeah. Like, like those were like the things that I was like told. Totally, I remember Wizard, like, little short dude, yep. right? Little singer. Yeah, I remember those bands. And I'm like a, this little kid that goes to like Weeks Park out in Hayward. Like you know, it was a little community center, and these rock bands are playing. And I was like, oh my god, like ruffians and stuff. Yeah, like, sure. Like I remember ruffians and. And then like meeting Yaz, who was like playing in yeah. a band called Griffin and yeah, stuff. Yeah, Yaz was in Griffin. Yeah, yeah. I went and, and like, Griffin. My other my friend was played played along with him in Griffin. Right. And then so, but like I still wasn't like into like the British metal like stuff that a lot of my friends were getting influenced before like Metallica came out. So I was still like, were you listening to Def Leppard because Def yeah, Leppard yeah, was Def out at Leppard, that time. Yeah, Def Leppard, Motley Crue. So, so the Scorpions? group of friends I was hanging out with. If you remember this band called Sex from Hayward. They were this With like they were, the, they were the definition of posers. Like to, we were totally like wanting to play music, but that was like the group of friends I hung out with, right? So, so they're they're kind of infamous in this area because there was like the people that were re- like you know the Griffin and people uh, ruffians listening to heavy stuff, and then this group of my friends were wanting to wear spandex, do our hair up, wanted to hang out and stuff like. So that was like where I came up. Those were my friends when I first came out, but I was like, dude, I just wanted to hear something more heavy like i was really in, like when i first heard accept and stuff that was like the heaviest thing i ever heard what was the first thing you heard from accept oh it was like balls to the wall okay, so you know i mean it was like yeah yeah i mean i was i, mean, I was a little was late like to myself, the thing yeah the yeah. first time i heard accept was fast as a shark yeah yeah like, yeah what the hell yeah, is it, this exactly you know what i mean and so but balls to the walls i mean so classically monumental oh, dude, and it's know. exactly those, that was the same thing and you know we were getting into that and then like saxon and then of course you know, then you know holy diver came out and judas priest and then it was like there was something about so i'm i'm, I'm with these group of friends that are like motley crew like uh, new york dolls and, and i i totally digged it I, I and all the, the girls that were involved you know we're spiking our the, hair i love the new york dolls stuff, too, you know so yeah, I mean, it, it was like this different scene, but something that really changed my life, man, I could remember it to this day, 
was um, I'm hanging out. It's right across the street from Sunset High School. This is 1983 sometime. And this guy, this dude pulls up, my friend Aaron, in this four-wheel drive truck, you know. He's all, dude, get in my truck, dude. You got to hear this fucking band. They're called Metallica. And it was the very first time I heard Kill Em All, man. It was the first time I heard someone go, dig it, dig it, dig it, dig it. You know, there was no downward picking like you you heard from accept and yeah, like sure. it was i was like what the fuck is this so we like we're getting in his car and he's got the this triplets like, and stuff yeah yeah yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. and it was like i'm all holy shit and he had one of those stereos that was like blow punk with the speakers all in the back and it's boom you know and oh i had that too believe me yeah yeah i was juiced with the stereo yeah so i'm hearing four horsemen for the first time and we pull into this and we're in the Sunset High School parking lot, and we're like doing donuts around, listening to, to kill them all for the first time. Awesome. There was a motorcycle that someone had parked there, and my friend Dennis Connett jumped out, attached a freaking rope around it. No and way! Dragging a and you drug the motorcycle. Around. Yeah, yeah. And that's listening my first to listening to Metallica for the first time. I guess you had and to play the thrash like, metal band after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah exactly. That so awesome. It was like, it was so funny, but. The, the transitions were, were kind of funny because then my experience of running into Craig and meeting Rob Flynn and Bo Staff and stuff like that, when I was still kind of hanging out with this element of, um, you know, where where it was everything that the barrier was against, you know, ba- you know Bonded <clears throat> by Blood was out and... and I had a friend named Mike Walsh. He was a singer for Hellhound, you know, Wiggins. Oh, of course I remember. Oh, oh, okay, so he happened to be yeah. my neighbor. So he was the one that kind of started turning me on to like Exciter and Merciful Fate and all this kind of heavy shit. So I was like, part of me was like, man, I want to play into some heavy bands. And some of my friends were like, dude, that's that shit's never going to go anywhere, man. Like, oh, you I know? heard the same <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. And it was like, that's how, how like um, when I first knew I wanted to play something heavy. And I got in my first band, but um, they were, you know, this is when Bon Jovi and, you know, all this stuff. But it was probably 1984 85 and um we're this is a great story because um how i i got kicked out of this band because i wouldn't wear my spandex and it was to go see bond dude no 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 i was playing in this band this uh band in hayward and um we were kind of like playing all these parties it was a band called transom transom yeah yeah and it dude we were all high school kids and it was not a very good name we were first coming up and you know I was wanting to play guitar, but I couldn't play guitar. So it was the first time I started playing bass. The guy's all, well, hey, man, you can start playing, you know, bass guitar. And, you know, he showed me how to play the songs. And it's real just simple stuff. I think the heaviest thing we played was, like, Run to the Hills by Iron Maiden, you know. But it was, like, total cheesy riffs, right? And um, so, yeah, it's a total cheesy riff band. And I heard that um, Craig and um, Paul and Rob were going to come out and check me out and play because they were looking for a bass player. Now, did yeah, you know yeah. who they were? Well, yeah, that's a oof, man. I probably should back up and go over that story. You back how I met those story. guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, we want all of the dirt. <laughs> Pray tell. Pray well, tell. well, oh man, it it all started meeting Craig, and I could kind of pinpoint the date of it is because the day that I met Craig Cicero was um, anyway. I was kicked out of school in Hayward, and my mom arranged for me to somehow, under a relative's name, go to Washington High School in Fremont. So I was just, just this really like terrible kid. Like I was not showing up at school, cutting, letting me in and out. So I'm here. I am uh, probably like 16 years old and already like kicked out of schools in Hayward. By the way, I got kicked out of Catholic school in 
by the seventh grade and was thrown into public school. Okay, why? Because we didn't go to school. (laughs) We were being disruptive in the classroom. Disruptive in the classroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Camacho has weed in his in his backpack. I mean, well, that kind um, of shit. No, no, it was like I was Satan still on your backpack. You know what I mean? Patches of fucking yeah, yeah. Made and that kind of shit. Well, um, that's where I first learned how to be like the kind of the class clown. Like I was just always not really kind of paying attention, and and just school uh, was like kind of something I never really. I was not really doing my homework. It wasn't because I wasn't smart enough. I just was just not really into what was they were teaching. You know. Who was so, into any what they teaching? Go ahead. And yeah, that. yeah. Nobody was into anything that they were teaching. I didn't either. I was totally into rock and roll at the time. All I cared about was what 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 horror movie was coming out and fucking what uh, what heavy metal album I could buy this week. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Just it's amazing once you start getting obsessed with stuff like this, and that's that's what happened later. But really, what happened in the Catholic school was, you know, the nuns were, you know, it started out earlier when we were religious, and I was disputing everything that the Catholics were saying, like, because I still hmm. actually believed that hmm. stuff religiously. And then later on, it was more of just being a class clown, like just trying to, to get attention and, and, and just disrupting. So the nun came in one day and like, snapped on my mom, put her finger in her face, you know, like, and that was it for my mother. She was all me. I didn't really get kicked out, but she just pulled me out of there and then threw me into like a public school. Where, Were these rulers like, slapping Whoa. finger fucking nuns? It was you know, it was like the end of that era, but no, I was paddled a few times. Where that really? was pulled, yeah, yeah, I was pulled Did in. It hurt? Like, dude, it was like it was crazy. They had these paddles with drilled holes in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look at the fuck, and, really? And it was like just if you went to Catholic school, you gave the nuns permission to like take out their discipline. So they could literally, I remember multiple times going to the principal's office, there's like a place where you stand on the tape and you bend over and they freaking whack you. And you know what? Those nuns and shit, they're like already, just, you know, they're they're so pissed off at life. Well, yeah, they're cantankerous, Dude, exactly old people that have like dealt the, with shitty little kids before and yeah, boy, yeah. it's just all fucking building it up. It was like they took it out on fucking me, man. I was like, <laughs> wow. I was like, okay, that's enough now. And it was like, I can swear they always put in a couple extra hits just to make themselves feel better, man. Well, how many yeah. hits was it usually? Oh, it was like probably ten? four or five, six oh, hints okay. of a bit of a wooden, of a wooden, a wooden paddle yeah, with yeah, holes yeah. in it. Yeah, yeah, enough to just make you freaking, you know, it, it hurt it like a motherfucker. So you know, you were like, so anyway, that was just just crazy. So that was like like what I was dealing with there. But when I got into the public school, I didn't. I was lost, man, because it was like public school was now clicks. There was, you know, I grew up in South Hayward, so I had a lot of Mexican friends that were neighbors. So would, do I hang out with the lowriders? But then I was the white kid. Do I hang out with the stoners? You know, the guys that are listening to Black Sabbath and ACDC or my friends that are my neighbors are listening to Motown and stuff like that, you know, because that was kind of like. Sure. So there was the click. So, so in a nutshell, though, but that was my like my where I felt at home as soon as I discovered music and started to grow my hair long and wanted to play in bands. I know, you know it was a few years before I got there, but, but in a nutshell, you know, it was like the nerd who like didn't have anybody fit in, got beat up a bunch of times. Well, I know? mean, I've it's heard like, that story yeah. from rock stars forever. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? 
Rudy Sarzo, mm-hmm. Ozzy's old bass player, said the reason he started playing bass is because he was the nerdy, ugly kid, grew his hair out and started playing a band, and then he got girls. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? So it was exactly. kind of like, it was like the, the process, I guess, you know? Suddenly your friends are, oh, come hang out with us, here's some weed, here's yeah, some right. smoke, some, listen to that. this music, you know? And it was like, so so that's, that's when, you know, that group of friends, but anyway, in the public schools, it got... I just never really fit in and I just felt like I fit in more if I was making fun of people, you know, where I was like making people laugh or, you know, cutting school, arguing with the teacher, running out. And then, you know, so I was failing at school miserably. So fast forward now all the way to high school and, and, um, I get sent to Washington high school and man, I have like my fingernails painted black. This is like, <laughs> okay, 19, your hair's yeah, now my hair is long, like my hair is long. Sh- and, you have real like, long hair, but yeah, yeah, yeah. great fucking long ass Exactly. Hair. And that with the hair comes power, man. Right. Oh, it's I like, know. especially in the 80s, dude, man. Dude, it was like, holy, like, it was like crazy because my problem was I get into school or whatever, you know, and then if like the girls like me, their boyfriends wanted to beat me up and stuff, you know? So it was just like, always had to deal with that. So there was like the part of not going to school was someone always wanted to kick my ass all the fucking time. And it was you know, someone walk up, pat, 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 pat. Dude, my, do you ever look and my girlfriend looks at you again? You're fucked. And it was like, what the fuck? You know, so it was like, anyway, I get thrown into Fremont school and I'm like fingernails painted black with, you know, black shirts, you know, pentagrams. I had a vest on that had a twisted sister patch and, uh, and like, you know, it looked, don't yeah, yeah. Sister no, was no, heavy. it was don't, like don't don't kid no, yourself. No, but what I'm saying though, it was like. Sister. It, but this is already a couple years bonded by blood has already been out. Um, um, you know, merciful. You know, so sure. so there was a group of friends that I still had that were like, dude, that's poser. You know, because Bailoff made his mark oh, in the Bay Area. Me. Everybody was like, so, everybody so, knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from that, none of us could go. Even yeah. if we liked the poser hair metal band, none of us could go. But yeah, I've right, talked right. About that before. So in crossover, you yeah, yeah. touch that side. So anyway, I'm still trying to fit in somewhere, you know. And um, I get to Fremont School, and I see um, this kid with long hair walking around with a "Don't Break the Oath" album, and it just came out that day. And he's all, "Dude, I walked across the street and bought it at Warehouse Records. There was Warehouse Records across the street, so I had Craig in art class." So that's how I first met him. And of course, I was like, "Yeah, dude, I play guitar." I mean, you know, and I was like. Craig had already set up in his garage in his mom's house and was, you know, could play a lot of Maiden songs and Metallica songs riff for riff. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do that. You know, wink, 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 you know, just to hang out kind of like kind of thing, you know. So uh, but then things didn't really work out. A brief experience. I got chased out of Fremont, too. And then I was soon back to Hayward in continuation school. Okay. So my run in was so brief. What year is it now? So uh, this is okay. Merciful Fate. Don't Break the Oath came out. 83 or 84, right? So, yeah, yeah, it's probably 84, 85, so somewhere around there. So I'm back in continuation in high school back in Hayward. And um, um, so I get in this band, Transom. And um, it was kind of cool because I got the first taste of what it was like to be popular. You know, we play our high school. We're playing the part. We had the. There and you're was, playing yeah, guitar. Yeah. You're not. No, playing no, I'm actually playing bass. You're actually, yeah, yeah. You, I couldn't. Play, I wanted to play guitar. That's how I started. But I wasn't. You know, there was always uh, someone better. So I got switched over to bass. But but what was crazy was um, was we actually you know as a you know kid in high school we're starting to play these parties. You know, remember the Kager parties, of the backyard. 
These were things that we Exodus, lived on for as what kids. What Tom told you know? me, Exodus was a mainstay when Kirk was in the band. Yeah, and yeah. Gary, they that that's all the gigs they had were keger parties. You know, man. the memories of high school. There was this. You know, there was the on A Street where the Price Club used to be. There was a house over there that was like a big barn, and they would be. We'd be able to have parties of like two, three hundred people with no cops or anything like that. Right. It's kind of an unincorporated we had area. Those here too in so, so you know, you're yeah. you're living like you're getting your first taste of what it's like to play in a band. Where everyone's all, dude, you're hella badass. Yeah. yeah, you know. So it's like I'm all, oh, this is what I want to do, right? But then I the heard, bug. yeah, yeah, the bug. So I had this friend Mike Walsh, who was the singer for Hellhound who was like all into the metal, you know, he would go to the record vault and do the tape tradings and all that kind of stuff. So he was, so that's where I was getting my taste of that. And then I heard about this, this, uh, there was another band. See, I thought my band was the shit, right? I was like, man, we're, we're going to come up. So, you know, we're going to be you know, a total naive kid. Right. And then I heard this band called forbidden evil out in Fremont that has my friend Craig playing in it. And I hear like, there's this house that gets destroyed. You know, or there's this, uh, they were playing this, uh, you know, a, a hall down in Niles and 30 cop cars show up and beer bottles. Go, you know, so it was like infamous. I'm like, oh man, those parties are better than our parties. Forbidden Evil was like, and then there was a couple people that I knew that knew Craig, right? So there was a friend of mine named Cheryl Lemke who, and, and this is another thing that, that changes your life. Something that you see for the first time that just blows you away and you never forget the moment but um she said hey um my friend craig oh yeah yeah craig he's all do you want to i talked to him and he said i could bring you to practice so 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 i'm all, oh yeah cool so i go to hang out and i get there it's Bo staff rob flynn this is the first time i meet him right and and i and craig rob flynn's playing on like a pa speaker guitar thing Bo staff has like two Tom Toms, you know, it was just like, it just Simple. seemed like from what I remember. Right. Right. And, um, was Russ there at this time? No, Russ was not there, but, um, it's since then I had, I had heard a little bit of them and seen them at other parties. So I was like, Ooh, that's the stuff that I want to play though. That was the kind of music I wanted to play. But, um, anyway, dude, I saw them there. They're like, Hey, we just wrote this new song. It's called as good as dead. And it was some of a song on our first record and they played it. And my mouth fucking dropped, dude. I was like, holy shit, you know, because that was the first time I saw two guitar players pick like that. And, right. dude, we all know Rob Flynn and Bo Staff. They're multi-million selling bands now. And, I mean, this was the beginning, the first time I saw what was kind of a, a kind of something that was in a bottle. You know what I mean? Wow. Like, these guys were influenced by you guys, you know, the, the stuff like that. But it was the new... And I know Forbidden Evil is just kind of known for the musicianship and the you know the people that have come from Forbidden. Very technical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, yeah. Very so it was the first that I saw that, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And I knew right there I was going to connive my way into this band. Well, do you think? Oh, and of course, their other bass player well, was well, there too. Oh, the other bass yeah, yeah, the other bass player was there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, so I forgot. Yeah, it wasn't an invi yeah, yeah. invite. That was my next question. Was mm -hmm. it an invite to? Kind of like, well, let's see him to come down. He can listen to us, and then we'll, we'll after practice, we'll go. Hey, dude. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Actually, they had a bass player. They were, I, I, my, I think they were happy with him. But like, you know how I didn't realize he was there. He just was kind of like, you know, I kind of fit in with those guys just because I looked the part. You know, 
the long hair well, and the stuff like that. that. Yeah, exactly. If you, exactly. If you saw the episode yeah. of Craig, he did say Oh, yeah, that. I, I heard. Someone told me that, like, yeah, he kind of spilt the beans on that. But that bit. was obvious. You know? uh, well, yeah, yeah. you're going to get the truth here on the Yeah, ball. yeah, yeah. That, that was obvious. But, yeah, I mean, that's the second part of the story that's hilarious because, like I said, I connived my way into Forbidden Evil. I was playing rock riffs like Def Leppard and stuff like that. I couldn't go. And, of course, I said I could. You know, like. You know, and, and that's, you know, March into Fire, you know, right. these were, these were, you know, heavily influenced by Exodus, like all of us were in the Bay Area. I mean, that's the best way to put it is like the first record, March into Fire, uh, Forbidden Evil, or just so many elements of Bonded by Blood, you know? Yeah, totally. So, so, so you know how comp- complicated that stuff is compared yeah. to Rock Risk. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's technical, man. Just at it for its yeah, time. Yeah. Here's these 21 year old guys that are yep, carrying yep. record, 21 years old. <laughs> I joined the band. I mean, even younger than that, because when I joined the band, I was you know twenty two. We had just both Gary and I had just both turned twenty two. So, and that was a year after Bonded had come out, which means that was three years before that. So really, it was seventeen, sixteen, and seventeen year old kids writing songs like yeah, this. yeah. You know, what I it's unbelievable. You know, exactly. And you guys were in same the with same Craig, way. Exactly. Same with Rob Flan. All these yeah, young yeah, guys. Yeah. Same with the Violence guys. Same with anybody that came from that. Eric. You know, uh, 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 Alex. You know, they were all. We were all young. You know, Dude, and mean? you know what was really trippy was that was what was great about doing the reunion shows again was going over to Europe and playing those festivals in 2010 and 11 where these big Swede bands, you know, that would come up to us and go, "Dude, we saw you at Fagerstra when I was like." 13, 14 years old, and it changed my life. You know, Fagor's just Sweden. Oh, you know, yeah, it was right, like, right, right. You know, so exactly you're like, they say, yeah, exactly. yeah, it was like, you're a whole oh, wow, a trip, man. It was a really, really, really played a part in the music that's out there now, you know, like the, the heavy stuff. A lot of it. I mean, I, like, I, I can, I hear it from bands that are, um, you know, quite bigger than us. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I went to, uh, I went and saw Slipknot recently, and I, you know, spoke to the guys, and, you know, Corey's like the biggest Exodus fan there is, and it's like, you gotta remember, those guys came out in 99, I came out in 85, you know Right, right, I mean? right. So, I'm sure, I mean, their old drummer, Joey, told me that he drove all the way to Pittsburgh to see Headbangers Ball Tour. So, again, you, we were- They all ones, have those stories, we man. We influenced they, yeah, yeah. these they guys that are their stories. these bands so that are a lot bigger than we are yeah. now anymore- you know, or even ever were. You it's know? like, so, yeah, I remember when we opened up for you guys, we were like the third man on the bill, and they just like, they're, they have like a number one song. Yeah, like, really, yeah. You know, they're, now you're they're playing stadiums and shit. Right, they right. even go on. You exactly. know, it's the truth. We've yeah. seen that so many times, you know, especially that's just from being in the band, from being in the business longevity-wise, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it goes with that. How long did it take you to connive yourself into so, the band? So, so this this is hilarious. This is my probably my favorite forbidden story because what what happened was um, so I'm playing in this band Transom and me and Craig kind of touch base and so luckily for me, you know, a few months go by after I saw him play, they were considering about replacing their bass player. So I told Craig, I'm like, hey man, I'm playing this party in Hayward, dude, coming out. So he calls me, says, yeah, I'm bringing Bostaff and Rob and out to see you guys. Them. That's a transom, right? So, so this is freaking hilarious because we thought we were like, you know, we're 15 year old kids and or, well, actually I can't even, my age, probably 16, 17, whatever it was at the time. Cause I know I was 19 years old when forbidden evil came out in 88. So I was, this is a few years before that. So, um, so anyway, um, 
Craig's like, yeah, I'm going to come over. And, and now I'm all, oh, man, now I'm nervous. I'm like, oh, man, I got I to gotta impress these guys. So here we are. This party's bigger than usual, right? So it's like standing room only. It's packed out the driveway. Everyone's drunk. And my bandmates come to me. They're like, you know, and I see Rob and Craig and everyone there. And um, they're all, yeah, dude, let's go in the dressing room, which is in the house in some master bedroom, right? And they're like putting on makeup. And they're like, here, dude here's my leopard skin spandex dude rob and craig and then were they're like wanting to dress up and put on the hair and stuff and i'm all not dude it's cool i'm not gonna do it and they're like dude this is a band thing right so anyway the bands i'm getting yelled at right so i disappear conveniently disappear and i have my i wanted to be like cliff so i had like blue jeans jeans on and jeans, and jeans. bell bottoms yeah yeah so i have long hair and i'm all in jeans and that's all I got, right? I'm not a very good bass player, but I'm going to impress the fuck out of these guys. So anyway, they're like literally, Rob and Craig are literally standing right in front of me. There's no stage, but it's freaking badass. Hot. So I'm like doing freaking circle banging, head banging. I don't even know if I was circle banging at that time. And I look up and Craig's all like this, which he said later was, you fit like a glove. So, uh -huh. so And I, I remember that. So, But this was hella funny was after the whole thing, the band like comes up to me fuck you dude how dare you not be with us and this was the biggest show that we had like biggest show at a party right playing a party dude something. and you didn't put your spandex on. and i was all yeah whatever dude and i and i and craig's all come on man we want to talk to you so we, like that night yeah, at that, that night at the party so it's like you know everyone's patting you on the back you're walking out the driveway and i and paul bostaff's van is at the end of this driveway oh, fucking hilarious me, Rob, Craig, get in the van, and 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 um, they're all, dude. We want to talk to you. We want to offer you the bass player. We're gonna get, we're getting signed. You know the you know we're gonna be the next exit. You know, I mean, it was like all these things, and like, dude, I'm in. You know, like it. You know, it was like welcome to the band. And it's all cool. And I look over, and I'm all, and I see Bo Staff is sitting there with a twelve pack, right? And I'm all, dude, let me get a beer. He's all, nah, man. He's like, I only have a twelve pack. And I looked at Craig and Rob, and they're like, yeah, you know, they kind of were like, you know, and like, wink, wink, and I was all. So Paul was talking, like some, Paul was always the real serious, the serious musician, while we were like young freaking punks, right? <laughs> Paul, very serious at all times, so he's talking about probably practice or whatever it is, and I reach over, and I steal a beer out of his 12-pack, and I like pop it, and I look at Craig and Rob, and they're, we're laughing. So I'm like, slam his beer, right? And dude, this is, okay, I, I'll never forget this. So I go out of the party, and I don't know if these guys like took off. Of course, a lot of my friends were there, and I'm bragging to everybody that I'm in Forbidden Evil now. I'm all, fuck this band, right? So the next, like, so anyway, that night the band kicked me out, Transom, for not wearing the spandex. But I'm all, fuck it, I'm in Forbidden Evil now. It's all cool, right? Uh so Craig calls me the next day and said, dude, Paul's Paul changed his mind. He doesn't want you in the band because you stole a beer from his 12 pack. I was all, what? They like, were just fucking dude, with you, though, I right? swear. No, no, no. Wait no, a minute. No, that no, no, a, no. A hazy you thing know, they wanted to put I mean, Bostaff Bo was smarter than, you know, or Bostaff probably wanted someone who could actually play bass. Bostaff probably saw through my playing. Versus someone where Rob and Craig probably wanted me to someone to come in to fit the part. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
I was acceptable to like play the play the role. Wow. Where where, where I think I mean, there's got to be more to it. I don't know. I've never actually talked to Paul about this. Oh, wow. But I mean, because I, mean, I started. Vault, we're gonna ask. No, no, him you got to ask him because because they told me they're like, hey, Paul changed his mind. He doesn't want you in the band. You stole a beer from his twelve pack. So so anyway, I'm all really. Are you fucking serious? So Craig's all, yeah, man, dude. Uh, I, I, we'll, we'll keep you posted. We don't know what's up. And literally two or three months go by where I never even really? saw or heard from him. So yes, yeah, so I didn't have a band for not wearing spandex and I didn't, and I stole both staff's beer. Double fucked yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Night. Right. Right. So then I get in this band called Phantom Black, which is some local kids around the area too. And they're at least like black Sabbath and metal. So I'm like, we all got long hair and we look cool. And then, um, I'm still, so I'm, I'm, uh, by this time I'm staying in Fremont with my mom who lived out there and I'm going to continuation school in Hayward. So Rob, Craig, Bo staff, I guess talked and said, Hey, let's get Matt back in the band. Right. And then this, that's, I guess it didn't work out the other direction they were going. So I, I'm getting off BART one day in, in union city where I would get on another bus to go to Niles where my mom lived and Rob Flynn comes running up. I'm getting off BART and I guess they were, they knew I caught the BART. So they were scoping out, like waiting uh-huh. for, no one had my phone number, I guess. I, I, they couldn't well, get a hold of me. So Rob, yeah. Cell phones, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, right, right. It was just, just, just odd. So um, Rob comes running up, dude, you are, can you be in the band again? And like, you're in, that's it. You're and And the next thing you know, I get back in both staff's van and we shake hands and everything's cool. And we go back to over where I was playing and I play with Paul for the first time. And I could tell he was like, you know, I only knew like a couple of riff, you know, a couple copy songs and I, I couldn't really freestyle. I couldn't really do a lot of stuff at that time, man. And I, next thing you know, I'm in forbidden evil. And they're like, dude, we're playing our first show in two weeks no with way. suicidal tendencies. Just line up, check it out. No, it's laws rocket headlining suicidal supporting legacy's legacy. last show yeah well I'm, as test as legacy scottish rights scottish rights temple yeah i remember so that So that was my first gig two weeks before i got i got in the band two weeks before that so 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 anyway they're like trying to teach me the songs man and and, and i remember um and, and and there was another story to this too about conniving in where i where i would run into rob flynn and tell him about my audition with Metallica. And I kind of used a lot of hyperbole on that because I really never got in the door. I just stood in the line, you know? So, oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because was there like, was 30 people that did get checked. Greggy got to try. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I was there. Yeah, I, I was, there was a bunch yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Willie no. Lang. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I was there. It was at, at Hayward Rehearsal Spot. Yeah, remember that? yeah, yeah that's yeah, where yeah, that yeah. legacy practice Yeah, yeah, so, so I, the I told spot. the guys, I'm like, yeah, man, I tried out for Metallica, but, you know, you know, wink, wink, and I'm all meanwhile like i because i ran into rob this was i so so actually to summarize that was after they kicked me out i ran into rob flynn again uh, on the bus and and somewhere in but i can't remember if it was before or after where where i was you know telling him like about the metallic audition and dude yeah like you know i i could play this kind of stuff and this riff and that so so when rob now flash forward when i'm back in the band um and they're trying to show me the songs. Rob's all, dude, man, I thought you said you were good. <laughs> like he's all like, I'm all trying to learn the riffs and stuff. And 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 I just remember Rob's look on his face. And uh, 
so so that's just kind of fun, like how I got in there, not really knowing how to play the songs. Man, it was pretty funny. Okay, so how was the first gig then? I mean, was it- well. You know, in metal, you could really kind of fake it a little bit. Yeah, a little like, bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Well, I mean, on our side, not you, not you, Zetros, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't like, get to fake yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, well I had the long hair I could cover my face, but, um, you know, it was everything was so loud. You know, if I'm trying to play Chalice of Blood, it's all digga, 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 you know. I'm missing a lot of those notes, but I'm, you know, not a not louder than the guitar, right, you know. So, it's not, so not I'm not solid, but Bow Staff, you know, holds. Yeah, yeah. Well, that I could could say a couple times i've done that too oh, <laughs> like, oh okay. yeah yeah no no I mean, at least he admits no, it. I, I even played a, a show in germany one time like like a whole step off of, of tuning oh no. yeah 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 no, I, oh man it, it, it was i got some stories how do you not hear that dude I, I it was like i was going up to the amp and like the the every song and like what's up you know and it was it was like half the set but man and glenn's all you stupid at like glenn avalize like anyway I had no clue about tuning and all that kind of shit, right? I had to use a tuner all the time. And you know how stuff's a little different in Germany or if you're renting gear from somewhere and uh, suddenly you're like looking at a different tuner and you think like, but then the, then you're playing live and it's like, what the fuck? Make sure the bass is turned down so no one hears it. When I'm headbanging, I look cool. Like, right? Right, exactly. You so remember sure. some of that, the early sure. days. Because we like, we our first big tour was with you guys. Right. So, States, so yeah, yeah. yeah. I did end up getting better playing, but the first years were, were, were you know, we, when we went in to do Forbidden Evil. I'm surprised. Okay, the, that's yeah. my, that was my next question. Yeah, yeah. Did you play the tracks on Forbidden Evil? I did. Or did they have to be? You know, in, in a lot of cases, oh, I know. You know the, the guitar players will come back and go, uh, like, give me the bass. Well, well there, was, there, was, there was always a few little parts that Craig or Glenn or, or each of the records, Tim's or Craig, had to grab my bass. And this is always frustrating. For some reason, they let me play on the records. They probably would have sounded better without the first two records. Although the first one's got that naive, just, you know, it it captures the moment, even though the bass is kind of out of the pocket a lot, you know? But it, it sounds cool, you know? Yeah, it, ca- it captures the moment. I think it sounds But great. they did let me play on the records, and, and I did cost them a lot of studio time. So after the second one, they're like, dude, you got to move to a pick. Like, like they kind of convinced me on that. Uh, so, uh, but, um, somehow I, they, they let me play, but like there's parts like eyes of glass, for example, where there's this like real technical picking part where Glenn played it, you know? So like I couldn't get it and I'd be sitting there trying, you know, punching in and out, like on hitting the parts and they'd grab my bass and play it fucking perfectly. Right. It, first take, you know, I'm cause I know like Gary and Rick did that for, for Rob. Robbie, Robbie, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Robbie, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot of stuff Robbie got fixed. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. In fact, to be honest, in 90, um, when we were doing Impact is Imminent, you know, he couldn't actually play his tracks. He was actually, unfortunately, got sent home. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Gary actually played his tracks on them, and then that was the last record for Robbie. So yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why. No, you know, that, that actually happened to me, too. Like, when um, it got real serious. You know, and, and, and I always talk about this with players, man, because... It, it was it was by me by default walking into that situation with Forbidden Evil where I kind of connived my way in by saying I was a little better than I was and then being embarrassed because, you know, Paul shaking his head or Rob and Chris, uh-huh. you know what I mean? And you're like sitting there, you're like sweating, you're like, you know that's you. when you don't think about, you're not music, you're not thinking about the music, the feel you're thinking about because thrash metal or, or metal is so 
you know, 16 notes for you. Yeah. So, so I'm thinking technical, but not the music. So I'm not listening and I'm trying to get the parts down. So it really kind of like, it, it was, that's what was great about coming back later in life when I didn't have the hangups as I had as a kid. You mean the Omega wave? Yeah, yeah. The Omega wave period. Right, right. And it, it was like suddenly music opened up again and I could suddenly play because I wasn't thinking about like, Oh I'm man, both staff's gonna kick me out of bed. Oh god, yeah, yeah. Like I'm gonna go know, in the dressing room, and these guys are just gonna say, oh, "You suck tonight." Well, what well, you, and it did what happen. What the fuck were you playing yeah, yeah, in this yeah, song? Right, you know right, mean? exactly. And I ended up getting kicked out of the band for for um, right after Twisted into Form. There was that period when we were trying to get off combat, and we went real. We actually did these demos. I know they're out there bootlegged, but it's totally like we went from playing thrash metal to a lot more like Queens Reich influence. Uh-huh. The stuff never came out, and we kind of scratched it, and then went in the direction of distortion and green. But the, I went in the studio. It was Paul, Paul Bostaff's last recording with us, and I couldn't play the shit. I was like trying to hit, you know. I didn't prepare. I was too busy partying, having sure. hell of fun, and I was like, I took it for granted, man. And I like just never really, really. But that was the end of that, you know. Luckily for me, after I got booted out of the band, um, it just felt right for me to come back. It was like a temporary couple month thing. And then both staff, so I'm going to help them on work. And I started taking lessons. And then from there, from that that day forward, I always contributed a little bit. But I've played on all the records. You man. didn't write anything, though, huh? Well, um, not, not on the first two records. But the only thing I ever wrote was a riff here and there, you know? And it was those guys are cool enough to give me, like, song credit. Like, if you contribute a riff... Or a name it's the of way a it song, works. you know, you're a wild well, name yeah. of a song. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about that, but uh, uh, well, I mean, the riff, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or not. I mean, I never did the name of the song. Or, oh, uh, well, dragging my casket actually was like uh-huh. my idea. And Craig gave me some like writing vocal credit. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, dude, thanks, you know. But um, no, no, it was really just like later on I started contributing riffs, but still, Craig and so uh, you wrote some stuff on Omega Wave then. Um, yeah, a couple of riffs here and there. You, 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 you did, yeah, I think like that. four songs. Good. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was a great record. Yeah, yeah. And um, but then it was weird because I still, I still when when we came back, the um, all those like hangups I had where I was a little nervous to kind of like or mess up. Yeah, I was I was more. But now I was like, I'd sit in the same room with Craig or something like that and not even trip. You know, like right. I did. I mean, I had those because they were always like dude, you got to play. And I'm surprised they even let me play the shit, but I was just always like, you know, it just came a lot easier later. But all that being said, the weirdest thing was I got back into playing music with the, and in 2008, when we all were doing the reunion stuff, done nothing in there at that time. Yeah. You know, other uh, than the reunion for Chuck Billy in that area, there there was nothing. Yeah. yeah, I went back to college. uh, I went back to school, got married, had kids thought, you know, I actually became like I, I was rarely seen I would go to some big shows see Craig once in a while for literally about 10 years um you know once all the the metal was dead I remember the when Nirvana song killed came it. on killed, killed us. It. it was like the next killed day us dead. Um, it was like the killed weirdest thing because you were dead. yeah yeah I was living off the business within a yeah, year yeah. I was working a job yeah yeah that's how killed it it was it amazing was. wasn't that weird how that it was so you fast could pinpoint that one year time. we were at Foundations yeah. Forum and it was us Priest Scorpions Pantera playing the next year it was fucking Soundgarden Pearl Jam Allison Chains yep. all these different 
and then came like some of the New York hardcore and corn and stuff, and then wild. Then metal was just a bad thing for a while. But it was funny because like like we were we were doing distortion and green right, and um, or or it was actually right before that um, when um, right when this round when Nirvana came out, but it's about 93. Yeah. We actually, about. it was crazy. Like we had Rick Rubin. We were talking to Rick Rubin. We were talking to our RCA was starting to, but they had tons of money behind them. So this was the tail end. And I'm glad we got to live a little of it. The tail end of when the music, when the record companies had money, and used to like wine and dine you. And, oh, believe me, uh, I, I, I lived all through that. Hotels, you know, I lived all through that. Spending fifty thousand dollars on a record that we do now for five thousand. Uh, you know I, I mean? didn't know. Like, we spent two hundred and seventy-five thousand well, I mean, dollars on a record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, believe so, me. So yeah, yeah we yeah. waste. I mean, so yeah, yeah. Correct right, that. Right. Wasted two hundred and seventy-five. Yep, yep. We flew to England. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Set up a flat, two flats to, for us to live in for six weeks. Yeah, yeah. Recorded at Battery Studios. We're. Records were done, locked out the studio. Yeah, dumbasses. Yep, exactly. So, it, it, but it was it was the tail end of. Um, so it was kind of like the expectations of what we had, because we were being wined and dined for a couple of years while we were getting released from Relativity, and uh, I remember I remember we were playing a show and all the labels were there, and the. RCA brought us up. They're like, look, here's $250,000 advance. You know, for us, we're like, whoa. And, um, you know, five record deal or whatever, whatever it was. And, and they get up and leave and, and our manager and our lawyer are there, you know, they're like, now, now we're not going to sign this one. You know, and this is already, right. months that we're not, don't, we're, don't sign this one yet. You know, not, we still got to meet. Da, da, da. And literally the next day I remember smells like teen spirit came out on MTV and like the next week, all of those record deals that we had were suddenly gone. Yeah, it was like all of a sudden, like the record companies had a they, meeting. Let's shift direction. Like you know, remember it was like, they ripped Headbangers Ball off, and then shortly they put this show on called Super Rock, and it wasn't with Ricky Rackman anymore. And they played some metal videos, but then they played some alternative videos as well, and it was lasted for about. Two or three months, and then it just got wiped off the faces. No more. They're like, they yeah, stepped yeah. down, went that fast. Got in an instant. Yeah, and then everybody started kind of breaking apart, and I think Testament was like the only one that kind of kept going. They huh? went death metal, if you don't yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah, Demonic yeah. And, and Low were all mm-hmm. pretty much death metal records. Pantera were the only ones that were doing any numbers, yeah, yeah. and like Cannibal Corpse or any of the death metal bands were staying alive. Slayer, I went and saw Slayer in the city, at a little club called the Trocadero, maybe 600 people there. And we're talking like 98, 99, you know what I mean? So Yeah, it was weird watching could, that you can, If you weren't Limp Biscuit or you weren't Corn, or you weren't yeah, Rob Zombie, exactly. or you weren't something like that, then you weren't getting, nobody gave two fucks. Well, that was what was weird, too, was, was um, here we are. I always thought Forbidden Evil stayed together a couple years longer than we <coughs> should have because, you know, we just didn't want to break it up yet. And when we did, we started Man May God, Me, Craig, and Steve. Right. But uh, what happened was was we we were writing this as we shifted back to metal. I mean, we were doing Distortion and Green, which which were like didn't get any credit or or no hype at all whatsoever. Nobody wanted to hear it. And then like later when we came back, oh, those records are the greatest freaking thing way ahead of their time, you know. And it was like. It, it was it's not so helping no, me no, now, nothing honey. in the states and 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 it was it was crazy because I remember 
walking away from forbidden the first time for, um, you know, this is like 96 or 97, somewhere around there. And, um, we were, you know, going to Europe, coming home with no money. And we, we just recorded green, which I thought was a really good record. My, you know, I actually like the bass. I was so happy with my playing on that record and everything. And, um, it just, the, the label was like, eh, you know what I mean? When you get that sign, you're oh, like, no. what? And, yeah, yeah. and, uh, yeah. So it was like, just totally turned it off. So we're like, I think we did like a, maybe a one quick Europe tour or one quick U S tour. And then when, um, I walked away, we played in front of like 200 people maybe. And, um, like in Sacramento or something, maybe even less. And, um, then fast forward to like, Hey, you know, um, Bo staff calls us out of the, uh, like, um, Hey man, I was just in, in Europe with Exodus and, um, you know, and he's like, everybody wants to see forbidden and stuff. So I was all, we entertained the idea, but when we did those tours, next thing you know, we're playing the main stages at Grass Pop and the main stage at Brutal Assault and the main stage at Hellfest, which, which is kind of a, a weird thing great, to be a, a funeral thing. director one day and walk in and do that. You know, it's just like, uh, so, you know, meanwhile, I'm back at home the last 10 years working at a cemetery, going back to school, the kids and all that kind of stuff. Now, so that was that period of time. Now in there. you were in man-made God for like a minute for not for about long. almost a year. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, it was kind of like it started feeling right to let go of forbidden because that meant so much to us. Like when they booted me out of forbidden, I was bawling, you know, I was like, um, no, you know, like back right. in the day, it was like everything to me, you know, it was like my life. You know, we all lived and breathed this shit, you know? Still do. So, but it took a couple of years for us to kind of like, uh, you know, like let it go. And, you know, our personalities started get, we started hating each other. Oh, that's easy. To dude, have. dude, it was like. It's resentment. It's not hating. It's Dude, I, I could recount a couple of fights me and Craig got into that were like knocked down almost uh, fucking bras, like in a restaurant or like getting fighting over stupid shit. And Tim our guitar player time god rest his soul um fucking you know was at wit's end and J steve jacobs our drummer was always like the kind of sit in the corner where we're just yelling and arguing about shit because we're all bitter and pissed off you know and uh so we were it was kind of running that course for the last year of forbidden evil so so we we're finally talking about i was starting to come into my own and playing too so i was like oh ooh. and i was thinking about doing something different and then me and Craig and Steve, when it all fell apart, started uh, with a Rue Luster, who was a machine head for a while, yeah. and El Nino now, um, started a band, Man Made God. And it was like, look for the singer Mike. But man, that was that was a whole nother thing where, where I was kind of worried about, I was, I remember, dude, I'm like 27 years old or 29, and I have, I'm uneducated completely because I'm a right. high school dropout. <laughs> I have nothing to no, fall back I've on. I've never had a job. I mean, besides working in a deli or something, you know. And uh, I didn't know what to fucking do, so I was losing the that that passion that I happen to have back now. So I'm so happy about. But the freaking passion for music that you have to be a little obsessed to be in this business. To to be, you have to have a dream. You know what I'm saying? You got to be a little obsessed with everything. Everything is. 
I'm going to pass out a thousand flyers tonight. I'm going to, I'm going to make these calls. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, everything is the band, 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 band. Nothing else matters. And that stuff you lose, man. Yep. Where it was like, now I'm worried about a job. Now I'm worrying about like, I want to, you know, have kids. You know, my wife's pregnant, you know, it's like, oh shit. You know, like, so I started tripping on that. And uh, so that kind of, so when we went to uh, play and it was kind of trippy because I was at the same time coming into my own plane wise. So I was like, really, I could have made that next step. You know, I was starting to do different techniques and things like that. And Craig and Steve would be like, Oh wow, this is cool. You know? And, and, um, but then at the same time I was seeing the same old shit. Like our singer was a heroin addict. So, so, so it was so unreliable. We're like, Oh, so, so, so it was kind of like it was a bitter kind of thing on the way out, and I kind of stepped away. And then in, in about six or eight months, I got a really killer singer, yeah. and, and shit happened for those guys, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah, it yeah. until the mega wave. That right? was it. Yep, yep. That's when I went. I went back to school full time. And what's crazy is I, I had this when I decide I'm going to do shit, I just do it, you know. And multiple times in my life, if I set a certain goal, man, I make it happen. And I said, man, I'm going to be an attorney. So I like, so like, I mean, I went all the way to the steps and almost made it until like, you know, went, you know, so the, you're the LSAT got, well, no, no, I'm not an attorney, but I'm saying I'm going to take all the steps to go there in that direction. Uh-huh. You know? So I, so I went to school for seven years. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. As a high school dropout and went and did my, I got a bachelor's degree in like law studies at St. Mary's and um, took the LSAT and then applied to USF Golden Gate. Um, Kennedy got in those schools and then suddenly the Omega wave stuff came back around. I took a step back where, where no, when I set my mind, what I meant is when I set my mind to something, I don't necessarily follow up through all the way to the end, but I figure out if I'm going to do it or if I like it or not. Because when, when I made that, because back in the day, the attorneys had all the, they made all the money and all the decisions where we were like, what the fuck? We're like, uh, so it was do. just like, you know, so I got in it to kind of, I, it took me that time to figure out that's not really what I would have excelled at and what I would have been good at. So I was kind of just in it for the wrong reasons, you know, just to kind of wear it on my sleeve, you know? So I went all the way and then, um, you know, just didn't want to, want to go back more into that debt and stuff like that. Even though I got accepted in school, did very well on the LSAT and stuff like you. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So boy, it was crazy. Like, um, after Forbid man made God, you know, forbidden evil man, uh, man made God wound down. I was like, man, I can't, I can't even spell. I'm like, I'm a, 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 so I'm like, I'm going to go back to school and, and I go, and then I always set my goals high. So I was going to be an attorney and stuff, you know, so I went through night school and working. And, um, so everything I did was at night school. I do probably like three, four classes every semester going all the way through summer. So I have my eyes set. I go, man, I'm going to be an attorney by the time I'm like 35, 38, you know? So I'm like, I had all these goals set for, right? And, um, and so anyway, I get, um, I, meantime, I have to have a job. There's like, so uh, one of my friends, there was this, this band called Level. He was uh, uh, Paul Perry, his bass player, my cousin and roommate. His guitar player was like, hey man, like, dude, I just remember the day. I don't know if the, when did this ever sad in on you where you're like fuck now i gotta get a job because i know our sorry yeah 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 the union for yeah yeah yeah. remember yeah yeah so so i mean so it was like you know you're suddenly the this lifestyle you've had of going to practice at night going to the bar drinking sleeping in uh you know then you go to bamboo you do it all over again that those days are gone now you're like oh so 
So well, I never had those yeah. days coming on. I didn't oh, get yeah. it until Exodus paid my living from 86 yeah. to 93. Yeah. I didn't get those days. My father had us working. I always worked a job since I was 13. So, and I wanted shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right, right. It was never cars back then. And I, the only way to get them and pay for gas, cause I had a mean old bike. Yeah, yeah. That. It was not giving me anything. Yeah. So, so I didn't have that. Yeah. I was like, I, I was all, I just got to keep my, my rent and I got to be able to right. buy beer. So we could right. have chicks come over. Right. And, 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 and that was like. For, for fucking yeah, studio yeah. rent for practice. Yep, totally, totally. And, you know, it's still we were working. Somehow the band was, you know, still paying for that at the tail end. But but anyway, I, as, after all that went away, I was like, I went and I got a job at Pizza Hut delivering pizzas, dude. I was so depressed because I was like, they're like, put the hat on and wear the shirt. And I was like, well, I didn't want to wear a uniform. You know what I mean? So it was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm already like, this is like my, you know, I didn't come to terms with yet. And and now I look back on that and I wouldn't be ashamed to work any job. You know what I'm just saying? I mean, that was just where you I was were at. Like this bass player. Yeah, yeah. God. Right, exactly. Now you're drunk. Yeah, yeah. You're going to show up to a heavy metal party. And they're gonna go. No way! Yeah, exactly. You playing forbidden. Exactly. Exactly. So, so you're you're cycle at that time. It's like a big thing, and now you just kind of laugh at yourself for even thinking that way back then. Like you know, just thinking you're more than what you were. But you know, you you learn as you grow older. But anyway, my friend shows up and he's all, dude. He's all, he goes, hey man, um, why don't you come with me? I'm going over to this house to sell a mausoleum. And I'm all, what? He's all, yeah, I sell Crips, man. And he's all, I'll give you $1,000. Just come with me. Hang out. I make tons of money. You know, and um, so I, anyway, we go to this guy's house. He's not even home. And the next thing you know, I'm like, dude, buy a shirt and a tie. I'm putting you in the our sales training thing. And I'm in this kind of like one of those, it's total sales environment, which I'm not in now. I'm 22 years in this business. But when I started, it was you know, they hired all these people and they go out and they sell their family like plots or graves. Right. And, and like, then the unit managers wow. make money. Dude, that's, that's how I got in. Right. But what happened was no one. Um, so, so I get in there and I'm like, I'm, I have a long ponytail that goes all the way down my back and I'm wearing a shirt and tie. And I'm like, here's, here's a family that called in for some information, go to their house. <laughs> And like, dude, it was just, it was hilarious just to, to say the least. Right. So, um, I go to quit and I'm like, now I have sales experience. I can go to guitar center and get a job because I'm a musician. And now I, you know, now I finally got some little experience and I walk over and they're like, I'm all, Hey man, I'm going to quit. So, so they're all, and I'm all, here's the appointments I set today. And I handed them like a pile, like about 10 leads. Right. Cause no one told me that making phone calls sucked. You know, I was this naive kind of kid, like, just following a script where, you know, most people get on that shit and can't even freaking do that stuff because they're uh -huh. like, and I had no fear, no nothing, you know? Right. So I was up, like laying up all this stuff and they're like, Whoa. So what happened was they, they decided to make me their telemarketer manager. So I had like no experience in management or nothing. Go ahead and hire people. We got a budget. So next thing I'm telemarketing manager, I hire like four people. Then I'm going over to other cemeteries because it was a corporation of Chapel of Chimes and Skylon up in the, and some locations on the peninsula, Napa, Sacramento. So now I'm going over to other cemeteries and training their sales force. So, um, and then, you know, in the meantime, I'm going to school at night and then 
my girlfriend at the time gets pregnant and I'm going to get married. So I go, man, I got to step what away. What year is this, Matt? So, okay, so this is uh, like 97, 98. Well, well, oh, no, she gets pregnant in 99. 99. Because my first, my son was born in 2000. So, so. So, but you know, Forbidden had already broken up by '97. We're we're living together, and with uh-huh. this girl, I'm uh, you know not doing a band anymore. Right. I'm telemarketing manager. I'm going back and forth to training these people. I'm learning the sales environment. And um, are you making decent money doing this? No, now? no. I, I think I was like on a on a slight like ten bucks an hour with a little commission hit where it's never really panned out so i wasn't making enough money and i saw these other people that were in the actual sales part what was called family service where you actually worked in the cemetery and met with families when someone passed away they were all driving brand new cars and living middle class lifestyles in the house and that's what i wanted so so i said so i got my way in they're like matt you know you're gonna have to cut your hair so i started with i started with the bob and I went up, you know, like so. It's gotten yeah, 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 short, yeah, yeah. Over the years, yeah, yeah. So, so I went shorter this way, and that. So the ears have lowered over the years. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. So, so, Damn. so, but what was trippy was there was this whole. Um, so I started at, at this place called uh, Chapel of the Chimes, which is a they do, you know, eighteen hundred burials a year here in the in the East Bay. So real, real fast moving on, place. Uh, 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 Mission Boulevard in yes, Hayward. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they also have one in Oakland right. in front of Piedmont. Yes. And um, so I said, hey, I need to get into what they're doing because I need to support a family and and, and I want to put myself till I get through college so I'm a lawyer. You know, I'd already like, I'm going to be an attorney. I'm an attorney. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm right, right. right. I'm, I'm going to be out of the day. Exactly. So so uh, so anyway, like, I, I wasn't very good at it. And then out of the blue, this, this like totally – helped me through my life to make me what I am today because um, right now I work for a company called Stonemore, which is the third biggest death provider. They own like, well, I mean, there's They're the third biggest yeah, death yeah. provider in the, in the, in, yes. In, in, in the United yeah. States or in the worldwide, right? In the United States, they Puerto kill. Rico, Hawaii. They, they, you What's know, their slogan, we yeah. can kill anyone. I was like, that's well, amazing. They, they, it's, it's amazing. Death it providers. is. It's, it's crazy. Cause there's like the what biggest a great name for a band death provider. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we do, you know, cemeteries, funeral homes, caskets, wow, you know, the whole thing, right? Uh, headstones, the, the morbid whole granite people that watch stuff. my fucking show. Yeah. So, so what was weird about it was, you know, here's these companies. The biggest one, by the way, is the Catholics. The Catholics have really? cemeteries all over the world. And then there's this company called SCI. And then this company I work for called Stonemore now, which, well, right now I'm like number 33 in the nation out of almost 4,000 salespeople. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So, so I kind of fluctuate and some, I made it almost to the top 10 before. So, like, so now I make, now, now I'm like, Whoa. So now so it's yeah, a little yeah, yeah. more lucrative. Yeah, right? yeah. Now it's now it's now I'm uh, you know, supporting the family, and, good, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm very blessed on that kind of good. thing. But um, yeah, how I started and came up was a whole another story. Like you know, breaking my teeth out there, not knowing that's that things suck. But what happened was my friend called me. There's a cemetery in Oakland. It's probably the most famous. It has the most famous people in any cemetery in California just based upon they have more politicians, more Congress people, men, more senators, more presidential cabinet members, Still more, more robber there, barons, yeah. you know, so there's like historically, you know, there's all of these cathedrals, a cemetery called Mountain View in Oakland, right? So all the who's who, the old robber barons, you know, people are building cathedrals right. and stuff like that. 
So here I am working for the cemetery where now I'm working with all these prestige families. Like, um, you know, not all the time, you know, it's open to the community too, but some of the clientele, you know, the Bechtels, the Kaisers, Attorney General of the United States, um, you know, I'm design, helping them design their monuments and uh, helping them, you know, when someone, I mean, I had a family like even send me to a quarry to pick out the stone. Really? So, yes, yeah, so I had to do some really unique stuff, man. Like um, just like some really great stories, you know, where, where um, you're helping a family along when someone passes away and you're, you work out a budget for them and, you know, this is what we're going to do. You know, you know, you fig- figure out what the things that they want. Right. Yeah. And then, um, you know, trying to make a memorial, something that's in, in some of these people are like, you know, I didn't have to, I didn't have to flip them man. some, you know, I had worked with this, with this, uh, she's the, like the very first Asian woman, March Fong Yu to ever be elected to a public office in the United States. Right. California's longest running state secretary who wanted to, you know, just buy these two crips that were kind of, I'm all, man, you need better than that. You know who you are. So next thing you know, I'm designing a sarcophagus for him. That's based, you know, kind of designed to look, look something like Napoleon's, you know, and, wow. and like, you know, you know, making sure we could acquire all the enough space and lots and, or I'm at work one day and I look, there's this old guy at the counter, his hair's all misheveled and stuff and mustard on his shirt and stuff. And I look up and I'm, He's like, hey, drawing on a napkin. He's like, I want to do this on my family plot. And like, I'm like, come on in. And I'm talking to the guy. And I'm like with him for like a half hour before I realize it's it's Edwin Meese, you know, the attorney general yes. of the United States, you know. And I'm like, well, what a trip. So now, you know, I'm like, you become friends with him and, you know, long conversations wow. about stuff, you know. So so I'm during that period while I'm going to school, I'm working at this place called Mountain View Cemetery. And um, I'm you know, working with the who's who. And then it's also a very uh, prestigious Chinese cemetery. So we're, I got to get involved with the general manager there and like designing plots that were positioned for feng shui and all this kind of stuff. Wow. You know, so, so all high end family, lots and estates, you know, working with Taiwanese businessmen for $450,000 burial sites, you know, the founder of North face one time I met with them, sold his family estate with him with his new wife that he just was much younger Asian woman. He's like, Hey, I'm building a house up in Piedmont, man. Why don't you come over? I want to show you guys a few things. So he's like putting in this Japanese garden that he's like, yeah, I brought this bridge over. It's 1200 years from Japan. And you go in and he's got a, you know, like, you know, you get unique situations like that where I met, wow. got to work with people in the that's community. So, so for that's where I kind of like really learned the business. Uh-huh. So, so during this time, I'm not playing music at all. I'm going to school. I'm working at the cemetery where it's a kind of elite clientele and, um, and, uh, you know, learning all the different, like how to present items like that. So now when did you start playing music again? Was it right as we were going to go, okay, we're going to do Omega wave. And then you're like, Oh shit, I better open the closet and get my fucking bass out of there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, so, so during this time, the internet, comes up and I'm a little bit slow. I'm doing tons of internet research at school and, you know, but, but I didn't, I just kind of got so far removed from anything that was going on that I didn't, one day I just bothered to Google forbidden and it kind of blew me away that I was all, Whoa, I was all no way. And you know, it was like everywhere again. So, so then I hear this is so, so this is like 2006, 2007, 
Exodus is you know with Dukes or whatever, yeah, and Testament is like, and you know they're starting to blow up again, and um, you know so this is right when I'm making that transition. I'm taking the LSAT, and I'm gonna pick which law school I'm gonna go into. And I'm stressing on the amount of debt I'm going to go on. I'm constantly tired because I work all day. I rush over to school. I'm late. Then I have to actually make sense. You know, you're put on the spot a lot in law school because, you know, I did two years of pre-law where it was just, you know, all law courses where you're, you know, asked to give an issue and, and, you know, reasoning on something right on the spot. You know, uh-huh. so when you're burnt out and like, and I'm a big pothead always, you know. Good. So, so that's when I was like, oh, I better rethink this, man. My <laughs> brain's not working fast enough, and I, and I, and even though I could keep my GPA up like wherever I wanted it to, you know, I just was missing some of the the putting pizzas together. So I started going, man, I'm not sure this is for me, and do I want to get a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in additional debt? Suddenly, both staff, or no, I, I talked to Craig, and Craig's all, dude, and, I, and I'm just kind of summarizing what I think happened during this time, because somehow Craig's reaches out like, hey, man, both staff was just in Europe, and he wants to do some shows, like just to go over to Europe for the summer and have some fun and make a bunch of money, you know, and I'm all, ooh, that sounds killer, you know, I'm like, just a, all that these years of school starts. and all these years of stuff, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so then we start talking about it and then I'm like going on the internet and seeing all the fans that we suppose, you know, like I'm all, Whoa, this is crazy. You know? And, um, dude, and it was like suddenly like, you know, there, this was my space time, you know, there was no, you know, and I'm all, wow, this is, this is amazing. So me and Bo staff, Russ and Craig meet at like Chevy's or something in Pleasanton, you know, like, uh, like, Hey, let's get together and talk about, um, doing some shows in Europe. And it was hella funny because we're sitting there talking about, cause you know, Glenn had kind of a tumultuous career in the early part. So it was kind of like Glenn or, you know, Tim's not going to do it. Should it be this guy or this guy? So we're kind of trying to figure out which direction we were going to go there. And then both staff's phone rings and he's like, Oh, Hey, what's up, Eric? And it's Eric Peterson on the phone. And he's all, he's all, Oh, hold on. And he gets up and he walks away, you know, and he's talking to Eric we know what that meant. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So we know exactly what that meant. So it was funny, and I guess Craig was in contact with the promoter over there in Europe, and already said, "Yeah, we're going to do the shows, right?" So, so both staff comes back. He's like, "Wow, that was Eric, and they want me to play on the Testament record." So I'll be busy for the next month. You know, I mean, we're talking. This is a year before the festival's right, even right. started, so no big deal, right? Or six months or eight months before we were even going to play. But literally, like the next day, it blew me away. I went home and uh, and uh, Craig's all, yeah, check this out. Sends me an email and it's like, we're opening for um, Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and Kiss. And like, you know, I'm like looking, of course, it's festivals. I don't really know what festivals are yet because we used to go over to Europe and play like 16 shows in Germany, 10 shows in England, three shows in France, two shows in Spain. You know, you know, it was like that. And we were on a tour bus for six weeks. Right. And now it's like there's festivals that are three days long that have 100,000 people, 50,000 people, 30,000 people, campgrounds, and everybody, and you only play on the weekends. You know, it's like, go. so, so I'm looking at these, like we're playing like 16 shows. You know, there's the, the, the stop at, in England and the stop at the Dynamo Club, yes. but it's all festivals, yes. you know? 
so I was like, whoa, this is a trip, man. Like, cause like I said, the last show forbidden played was in front of 200 people, <laughs> you know, cause you know, quite different. you know, you oh, know, you know, so well. you know, this very well Zet. So, so I remember we were, we we're playing grass pop and luckily the guy, one of the guys that does grass pop, who does the Alcatraz festival now, yeah. um, is a great friend a, of Craig's and, and like was a huge forbidden fan and kind of probably got us on the the big stage before we should have been. We weren't really kind of prepared for it. You know, <laughs> my opinion on that start, but uh, I mean, we, we played some shows that were really good, but man, that stuff's on video. You can't take, it's just bad. You're all, Oh, so, uh, and here we are playing in front of 55,000 people, yeah, right? you know? So you're like, oh, ah, so, but, uh, but so that was, what was trippy was we go over there. I think we we're opening for kiss and we're on the main stage, but of course it's like three o'clock in the afternoon or something. And run first the main off, stage starts usually 10, yeah, yeah. 11 in the morning. So yeah, first off, boom, we're boom, like, boom. you know, you walk up this giant runway. It's like so surreal. It's a six-story high stage. and You know, it just feels monstrous. It is monstrous. And you're looking back, and they're building Kiss's stage. Like, while we're like, we have this tiny little forbidden banner, like, flying in the thing. And they're like, I see them hoisting up these giant Kiss logos All and things shit. everywhere. Yeah. Kiss shit. Like, they're building it while we're playing, right? And it was the awesomest fucking sound I've ever had on stage. And it was this giant openness. I mean, these wedges were just fucking insane. So you know that feeling when it's like, no. I mean, for me, it was on. It was like everything was just fucking pumping, man. But it was like all of a sudden I look out. It's a sea of fucking people. And there's a hell of forbidden fans. I'm like, whoa, this is like trippy. So then you have like the, you know, uh, what's his name yap from nuclear, nuclear blast from and mm-hmm. someone from uh you know the other labels that are over there like century media and reprise Massacre. and matt yeah they were all there like whatever you guys want do another record no and nuclear and, and we got to have you guys there. yeah and then they're there and there's like fifty-five thousand people screaming you and boy, if that's not the drug to get mm. you to do it again, you know what I mean? Exactly. That's like the whole allure. Of and it. I was like, okay, I got the wife, the kids, we go to law set school. Up. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But but another thing that got that was kind of funny about this was Tambre, who was our manager at the time, comes back and goes, "Hey, man, you guys sold more merchandise than Iron Maiden and Kiss did tonight." And I was all, "What?" Because and it wasn't a lot, but what happens well, is like they don't buy. You can't get your shit anywhere. Right, right, exactly. So it was like the first time back. We were hyped up. So and and I guess like a lot of kids, they they don't spend a lot of money on merchandise because they're there the whole weekend camping, yeah, right. eating. So yeah. merch isn't like a big you don't thing do at, festivals. Merch at a festival. Yeah, yeah. So so and and it was like, but anyway, get back to the hotel and we're freaking counting piles of money on the bed. So this is our first like. I mean, we've done a few shows in the Bay Area. This. But this is the the show where the label's like, we'll sign you guys to whatever you you know whatever you guys want. You know that's what that's what I heard. You know, and and here we are counting piles of money. It never got that good again, ever. But it was like it was like whoa, okay. So so for me, I was like, all of a sudden, I had all the reasons why I didn't want to be an attorney. From that point forward, right? It was like laying up, man. Now I'm like playing music again, and all this stuff. Just like you know, it was like whoa. So so. Yeah, yeah. It, it was funny. It was just like a fluke thing for that grass pot. We never had that never had that problem again of how to, to take money home except right. maybe one time in Canada, you know, where you're making too much and you're trying to trying to stuff it in places and yeah, stuff. That's not a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long did that um actually go? I mean, how long was that ride, Matt? 
you know, it was wasn't that long, huh? Maybe yeah, yeah. So, years? so yeah, yeah. Well, I was, yeah, it was exactly. It was well. We started gigging around 2008. You know, doing reunion stuff, and at first, you know, we're all working. And that was another thing because we were all working. Like every time we went out and toured, it was like vacation. Right. You know, Russ, me, Mark Gonzalez, sure. you know, Mark Hernandez. We were like, fuck yeah, let's drink and party. You know, so we were like out of our element there too a little bit, you know, because we were only going to play like we'd go. I'd get like two weeks vacation or we'd fly over to play Bloodstock, fly up to Prague, fly home, fly back to Europe in Yo, three uh, more weeks, which yes. I'm sure you do a lot of now still. Yes, we do. Yep, yep. So, so and that's the way it's set up there. So it was like, at, and then we start doing the record and I remember um, finishing Omega Wave. And, and and I wish I could do that record again just because still I was still a Matt, little bit. I don't know. Like, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. If I was the same way, there's vocals I Because there's so much parts on there that I didn't play. And right? I'm going, fuck, if yeah. I could do it, even tempo, anything. Yeah, I, if yeah. I could do it again. I do this, you yep. know what I mean? Come on. But but that's like like I was still even though I was getting into playing music a lot more, I was still just doing just enough to play like the guitar parts. Uh-huh. So there was a couple things Craig had to step in and play, but um, I generally played the whole record on that one too. And um, but the thing is, is like, and I'll get into this in a little bit, but just a couple of years ago, right before we did the violence thing too, like maybe a six or eight months before that it all flipped the script again. I'm like hardcore playing where now it's just like the same kind of things you had as a kid. So I'm trying to, you know, work and family stuff and still get in like practice time and writing and all that kind of stuff. How old are your children now? Um, my, my kid, my son is 18. My daughter's 16. So, so yeah, my son's in freshman in college. Wow. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah. So, but backing up to, to what that Omega stuff was like, it was the ride was um, mostly on the weekends. And then when it all came down to where Omega wave was going to come out in 2010 and, you know, for the first couple of years, we were just playing some shows and festivals and back and forth and they were setting up a tour and now I had to quit my job, you know? So, so it was like, Hmm, you know, so I was going to, okay. So in April, we're going to be touring all the way through the summer. And then, you know, so you just kind of take a chance and go for it. Haul so, ass, yeah, take yep, chances. Yep, yep. So so during that period, we did a like a six-week band tour through Canada and the U.S. Went and did, you know, six weeks here. And then South America a couple times. We did Japan. And, and it was fucking really cool on the fact that you just appreciate it a lot more when you're older. Oh, yeah. You know, um, for me, it was like, here you know i can't tell you how many times i mean i I remember 1989 you know waking up from a two-day drinking spree and not just a two-day to two-day everything else yeah and and looking out the window and seeing the eiffel tower there that i was too sick or too like just worried about yeah. I didn't give a fuck. Yeah, I didn't to even go see it. Was when a, you you know, the, the live. I should went to the museum. Should, you know, of course, I'm a freaking 19 year old kid that wants to fucking party and get laid. You know, Everybody but is. you know, so so that was how it was then. But but that's what was cool about the second time around was I appreciated the music a bit more. I respected my band members a bit more. You know, like the fans, yeah, everything. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, this is really cool. Where you're going to Europe and kids are driving down from Sweden, going, hey man, is it true? Like. Bo Stat or or 
or or Bailoff used to beat up posers, you know, like they know the stories. Tell us about Ruthie's, you know, like just, up, you know, he, like, <laughs> like he would turn yeah, people on. Yeah, them. yeah. I mean, I'm just saying it was like the the stories could, had kind of grown, you know, in different different of course, directions. That's, any, that's anything. Yeah, you know, yeah, right? yeah. What are you uh, What are you doing now? You said you've been playing music. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so and it was it was trippy because the end of Omega Wave, the end of that thing, was. I, I kind of got to tell you where that kind of ended to get to what I'm doing now yeah, totally. because because I kind of I had to you know leave my job at Mountain View to do the touring stuff uh-huh. and you know I figured you know if I could just pay rent and pay this of course that doesn't work so so now I'm going back to getting a job when I get home and all that kind of stuff but it was funny because we would go to like what really did it for me was was I went to uh, we went to play in Australia and we were there for like almost four weeks. And I came home with like a hundred dollars, dude. And I was like, what the, like, and we're playing like some Uh pack shows and we're selling hella merch. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, even we would straggle together a couple of thousand or three or 4,000 just from our U S tours that, you know, are not nothing like Europe and Australia and South America and all that shit. So, but, and it was like, you know, at this point, my kids are eight and five or 10, you know, they're, they're that, and they're at my parents' house. So that was like a big thing was like, was like, I'm, I'm, my, my parents are seeing me like kind of partying like on Facebook and shit, you know? And I'm all, Hey, are you guys watching the kids? Like, and I'm out, you know what I mean? Like, You're not playing Johnny rock and roll. Exactly. Star. So I was like, you know, and so there was that and I could, it just wasn't playing, you know, I can only get away I with it for so long. That's for me. The yeah. Yeah. For little, like, yeah, yeah. I had pressure from my ex-wife. Yeah. Yeah. My boss was like. Zetro, you can't keep leaving or you ain't going to have a job. And I'm exactly. going, okay, well, right, right. Exodus pays this and my job pays this. Right. My kids need medical and yep. they're young at the time. I had to do what I had to do. I'll do a whole episode on that. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. Get into that. This is, the, this is the, the choice that we make. And, you know. Exactly. And, and yeah, so, uh, but it, you know how I was telling you how I got into sales side. So, so right, I remember... I, I told Craig, I said, hey, I, I could do South America and I could do Wacken because we were scheduled to play Wacken, which is like the biggest metal festival in, in the Germany. world. Yeah, in Germany. This is 2012. And um, I said, hey, but after that, I got to step away. You know, I can't do any more tours. And he's like, yeah, you, you know, let's kind of keep it to ourselves to figure out what's up. Kind of got back to Russ and... Um, and he he kind of said he was going to walk away too because Russ just kind of needed an excuse. He's, to my opinion, he just um, was more the second time around for the money wise. Uh-huh. Where where us we always wanted to be to do this what we were doing and play more. I think that was more important to us than it always was for Russ. Right, you know. Um, so so he wasn't down to to keep going as well. And um, so I thought to myself, man, you know what? If I put into my work, my sales career, because now I'm on commission, and um, and uh, I'm going to be really good at what I do. So like, I got that bonehead idea. So I like put away my guitar and never touched it for like five or six years. Wow. I think it is. Yeah. So so just just a, actually less than two years ago, I picked it back up. So this was 2012. Um, so, so yeah, so I went back to work and you know what? It turns out I've been playing for the last two years and I'm having the best sales of my career right now. Everything is just like smooth into place because I'm back. Music's back in my life. So, um, so it's like, I, you know, I'm going to ask this. Yeah. When are you going to join a band? You know, I'm getting ready to, um, 
you know, I, I don't, I mean, I love, man, I, I mean, you can't ever take metal out of me or, or anything like that. I mean, I know never, this. ever, I ever. I know this. This is what you uh, are, bro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is what it, we it, fucking it's are. It's like even the stuff that, you know, I'm uh, heavily influenced by like piano and jazz stuff right now, like dark shit and like fusion stuff. You know, I'm a little late to the party, but stuff like Marcus Miller and Victor Wooten and Stanley Clark and stuff, wow. you know, like real, real ex- wacky arrangements and tunings and but also on the same side it's not really metal you know so so but it's hard as it's fuck funny to play like, too, isn't yeah it? hard as fuck but i find myself as now i'm trying to write songs that they're heavy as fuck uh-huh. you know so it's like wait i'm trying to make something beautiful you so know you're like front uh, your own band yeah yeah, yeah yeah are you gonna start the band maybe well you know that it, it's man i, I have, Why join I have a thing yeah, i have something in my head right now where where I, where I do want to put together a whole, uh, I'm like about four or five parts in where, you know, I've never really been an accomplished songwriter where I've, where I've, my, my problem right now Here's is arrangement. Chance. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But it's flowing, dude. It's like flowing unbelievably like stuff. That's awesome. Like, you know, that's the key. But so I got these parts and I'm just waiting for like the right person to come in and help me piece it all together, which is going to be a, probably a drummer or a keyboard player uh, is what I was, what I visualize. Cool. But, um, you know, so, so, but right now it's kind of funny. Like I, how I say I'm getting ready to play in another band. I just keep getting sucked back into like, I'll hear something and go, Ooh, I want to learn how to play that, you know? Cause like I was always the, trying to play to the guitar parts and metal, you know what I mean? So it's like trying to follow the, yeah, guitar. trying to follow the guitar, right. which, which I was never really a bass player. You right. Know? So now that that's all kind of opening windows, but it's just weird. I'm, you know, 51 years old and it's all back to me now. Like, like it was in 1983, you know, it's all like it's something that's totally inspired. And I think just the next, I'm never going to let go playing again. I just realized that everything is better in my life. It's like okay. my relationship, my work, all that stuff. So let me let me get stuff. to the final yeah. question, and this yes. is the million dollar question: Is Forbidden going to get back together and do some gigs? Um, I'm hoping for it. You know, um, I know we've communicated a little bit to Russ. Um, I, I he's it's going to be up to him if he wants to do it. You know, but you're like, all we're down all, for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I I think he's got some health issues to get over and and stuff like that. But you know, I don't I, I'm not, I won't really speak to what's on his mind. But we've reached it out there like, hey, it would be really great to do some 30 year anniversary stuff like uh, it into form. Yes. Although for Benevo is going to be yes. 32 year anniversary or something like that, but. But no, I think, um, oh man, I, I so want to play those songs again, but it's really, uh, I'll be okay if we don't, because I mean, I, I take solace in the fact of some, just some incredible things that we did along the way and uh-huh. just how lucky I was to do that. So, so there was times when I've been on stage going, man, if, if this is it, I'm happy. You know, I got right. to do some stuff that I always wanted to always as a kid. played with some bands. You've got now, to play in the same the, festivals. The commodity you get, the time you're hanging with your brothers, the, the touring, the flights, although it's hard and it's bitch. It's priceless, man. It's it like I, I, I miss that part of being in a band. Yep. But, um, you know, now I get to just see everybody at shows and. Dude, what's That's up? Cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I hope I, I hope we do get to do some shows. Um, right now, great. right now, it's just uh, it, it's 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 a dream for me right now. That's right all on. it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. We'll keep practicing. Right on, brother. Thank you for coming in. Yeah, I really. Appreciate you guys it. leave me Thank all you. the comments. Of course, if you want to see Forbidden again, leave comments because they'll be able to read the share my uh, 
channel, obviously. And uh, I can have you back again. We'll talk about some other shit. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for listening. Hopefully, it was you fun. guys. You nice. know, you know what to do. Subscribe to the channel, and me. We'll see you in the vault. We'll see you.